Asian Boss. It, it's 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 a funny little YouTube channel because this guy just talks. He these are uh, these are Asian guys living in uh, Korea. <clears throat> I think it's mostly Korea, but there have I've seen a Japanese episode or two, um, and they talk about Asian Western cultural collisions right. and stuff. And uh, it is. It is a very good interview with the South Korean infectious disease uh, point man, and he talks about he talks about all aspects of the virus and everything. So it's very 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 interesting, and I definitely recommend uh, you know uh, calling that up on YouTube. Cool. Asian boss. Asian it's, boss. It's literally Asian boss because originally I think it was about being a Westerner working in Asia, and you know just dealing with. Uh, with uh, the the cultural conflicts there, and it's sort of expanded beyond that. Sure. Yeah. A lot of a lot of channels have changed their yeah. formats. <laughs> yeah. In these last few weeks. Well, <laughs> although it's really funny because in many ways podcasters are the least affected because they don't need big crews and big audiences. And some of them to, are doing from multiple households now. Yeah. They're like just. Uh, and some are modern. It. They don't have to get together in the same spot. They can do it over their computers. Yeah. 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 Unlike some podcasts I know. Nah, what? Hmm? Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 531. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And we are back again this week. Of course, with everything going on, we can't guarantee we'll be back every week, but we'll do what we can. We passed our 14 days. (laughs) Now the the clock restarts. (laughs) (laughs) Matt didn't, but but he went doing what he loved, playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. Well, because like what Kirsten and I both had to go venture out for supplies this weekend. Yeah, I mean independently sure. of each other, but yeah, so, so, no, no, so we weren't the, together. We weren't together. <laughs> the, the clock restarts. <laughs> yeah, every time I, I tell that to my wife, like you know, realize every time we go out, that clock restarts. And, and I was doing so well. I got I went like ten days straight, not having to leave the house. You know, except I would go on the occasional drive just to get out of the house, and then I was just like looking at my refrigerator and the freezer and going, oh, everything's empty. Well, what do I still have in the cupboards? Oh, cupboards are Uh-oh. starting to get bare. <laughs> da, da, da. Mm. Well, then I'm like, oh, Sam's Club. I can put everything in the click and pull, and then all I have to do is drive up, and they load it up, and I'm gone, <laughs> no contact. And everything that I put in my cart, like after I would hit purchase, like this item is no longer available, this item is no longer available, and I'm like, Fine. So then I actually uh, went to pick up the one thing that was on my list and then went through the store just to see. And sure enough, three out of the four things were available. They just weren't pulling them for whatever reason. So so loaded up. And then that's how it works. And of course, I had to hit Walmart and pick up supplies and groceries. And that was interesting. Your your Grizzly Adams beard is coming in nicely. Yeah, really? (laughs) Hey, I actually trimmed it up, so it's like yeah. it's not it's not completely scraggly, but uh, nah, it's looking good. I haven't decided if I want to keep it yet. I, I may I'm, I decide for you? I'm gonna grow it out a little <laughs> bit more. See, I'm gonna grow it out just a little bit more. Let's, let's see. Yeah, I love it. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's different. You know, I've had the goatee for so long. It's like, hmm, 
wonder if I can grow a full beard. What's the what's the rule for facial hair at the place that Matt likes to name on the podcast all the time? <laughs> that we have to always blank out. Um, if you already have facial hair, Aha. beard, goatee, etc., you're allowed to keep it. As long as it's neat and groomed, it uh-huh. says in the... Okay. But you can't just start growing one while you're at All right. So you can you could return with one. Yes, I so could th- return this, with this a beard. This is your time. This yeah. Is, this, fact, is, this is my quarantine beard. <laughs> in fact, I'm thinking of shaving mine off entirely and then just starting from scratch. There just you go. Shave it all off. I'm going to be off work for a while, so it's just going to be... I was going to yeah. Yeah, sha- shave, time. shave my head, shave my armpits. Yeah. <laughs> Dye my hair green, and by the time I come to work, it's all grown out. It's going to be great. There you go. I was trying to emulate Riker between season one and two. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> working. I see it now. No, that wasn't reason why, but, <laughs> but I still it sounded see it. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so help everyone out there is doing okay and, yes. and quarantining as best you can through all of this. And uh, and I know we are. Yeah. So <laughs> we're sitting further apart than we've ever sat. We're sitting further apart. <laughs> yep. We're making sure microphones don't touch. Yep. We're, we're Kirsten's got the Lysol spray. That's right. Um, I'm gonna spray everybody. Yep. And we have we have backup masks. Should necessities? Yeah. <laughs> well, you two do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> not not to chug the plate bearer over here. So no, <laughs> man, Mister Food Service, <laughs> yeah. being real careful. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Can we can we say that it that his job is food service? I, I oh, think, we we've that, mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that much is flowing the coop. <laughs> Oh. Well, when I was training for this job, remember we had to, you know, I had yeah. some podcast that I had to miss, miss because the intensity of going from casual dining to fine dining, and it was just like, oh, this is a lot more intense. Ooh, so yeah. but worthwhile. It it was until <laughs> until well, all yes. the casinos shut down. Well, yeah. yes, yes, this is a long temporary. Yeah. But it's be- welcome to the long temporary. Yeah, really. I, I do feel very fortunate though because um, with the length of time I've been with the company and you know over ten years now, and then also because um, of our union contract, I'm first recall. So nice. when they do start bringing people back in, even though they probably won't going to bring, they're probably not going to bring in all the staff back in right away. It'll be kind of steps to see. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. How we bounce back from this. Yeah. I originally, last week, my guess was based sort of what I remember from 9-11, I was thinking Vegas isn't going to feel Vegasy until Christmas. Probably not. I, I'm not even sure about Christmas now. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about New Year's. Sure, because this is probably going to come in a second wave. Come yeah, fall. well, that and also after, um, like, like, for example... My gig at the magazine, I know that a lot of places in Vegas did not rehire huge amounts after 9-11. Yeah. A lot of people who were laid off did not go back to work, or at least in their original job. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of recovery there is there. I mean, I'm in this limbo because there are some protections that are now coming, but my job is done. I'm not going back to the magazine. So, and that thing was saving my ass. So, it's just like what next? Sure. It, it, and and the town is just 
It is so weird. I, I drove yeah. here in five o'clock traffic in record time. Yeah, yeah. of course. Rush took, rush hour does not exist. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, took me less than ten minutes oh, to get here. You know what I also saw it was funny uh, when I went out to uh, on one of my toilet paper expeditions. Uh, weeds growing up in the streets. Yeah, Ooh. in the cracks in the streets. Yep. they're starting to grow up. Nature's taking it all back. Yes, exactly. Oh. That was amazing. I was looking at that and I was just like. Jesus, guys! It hasn't even really been a month yet. <laughs> my but. my desert scaping in my front and backyard is completely overgrown. Like literally out of nowhere. Over the last two months, we've had all that rain. I was on the phone with my dad the other day, and I was just walking around trying to keep active. I looked out the back door, and, and I'm a like, "Weed grabbed his ankle." There's there are three foot tall weeds in my back gra- backyard <laughs> that were not there the day or two before. Like literally, three foot. Yeah. Wow, they're growing I, like weeds. I, I was dumbfounded. I have never seen that. And I grew up in Kansas where I've there's seen, a lot of greenery. I've seen a few. I, 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 I can't claim three feet, but I've seen some shit that overnight you're just yeah. like, where the fuck did this yeah, come from? Exactly. Well, blood makes the grass and I grow. Need, and so I was like, <laughs> I need to go get grass and weed killer, and, and you know I don't want to go out. So I'm like... Oh, what do I do? What do I yeah. do until I can go? I, I, I I'm gonna. You've got to pardon for a little while. I'm gonna. I'm uh, see how the jungle yeah. fares. I'm yeah. gonna. I'm going to get some. I have to go out anyway because eventually, uh, my anus is going <laughs> to be making the clarion call for uh, sucker. So no so, more. So no more good poop posts on Facebook. <laughs> they are going to fade. They will fade if uh, if those fucking hoarders don't pony up some Jesus of the goods. Christ. Cuz uh, because I'm on my last two rolls. It's like I'm it's really funny uh, when I did my restock when the when the part-time job I got the first full paycheck, I got tons of Clorox wipes cuz I use them all the time. Sure. And I got things like that. And I, I was like, ah, ah, I can go another month before I need toilet paper. And here I am. And it, it's just like, son of a bit, you know? You yep. think it would have gotten a little better by now. I know. Yeah. The, everybody is now limiting well, the people paper to companies one or two. Are, paper companies are like, we're putting it out. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're at max output. I don't understand why. Yeah. But, but you know. Sure. Everyone bought it up. Th- uh, the, the, the crazies bought it up to begin with. Yep. And then that made everyone else go, well, I better buy more in case everyone else yeah. buys it out. Yep. So, yeah, it's just, it uh, perpetuates no. itself. But so, I'm, I, it, yeah, people back- that would not normally overreact are overreacting mm. now because. Well, now you have to because yeah. you don't know. Now you don't know yep. when there's going to be toilet paper on the fucking shelves again. Yep. You better buy as much as you can. It's stupid. But to my original point. Eventually, I'm going to have to go out and look again, so I'm going to have to buy Weed Killer. And it's a good thing Kit is an indoor cat because uh, um, I'm going to have to get the truly deadly, environmentally devastating stuff and just just go to... I'm going to have to Agent Orange my backyard because it's it's really getting bad. Play Fly the Valkyries when you do. Yeah, yeah. Get, just go get you a flamethrower and just exactly. burn it all down. You know. I love the smell of napalm in the oh morning. Oh, my God. Dude, on John Oliver's thing, uh-huh. when he was when he was showing the Italians. Yep. What <laughs> is one Italian? I don't, was he a minister or law enforcement dude? But he literally on this newscast is like, people are still having parties of more than 10 people and getting and... Um, if we find out that uh, we find one of these parties, we will be coming over there with flamethrowers. Yeah. 
<laughs> this was not it like was some fucking joker on a podcast. <laughs> and it was funny watching these Italians losing their shit on these uh, on these little YouTube videos, you know, talking about people uh, not social distancing and stuff like that. It's uh, if you get a chance, guys, look up John Oliver's last week tonight's on YouTube. They're uh, they're well, funny and informative. Well, they arrested that pastor in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. The one, that, the one that kept saying, ignore yeah, yeah, guidelines and just come in. Come in because God's going to protect you from yeah. the, the plague. And it's only Tampa, right? It's only the Tampa uh, yeah. mayor because the governor is refusing to right. to issue any kind of a state of emergency. Tampa mayor. Right. Yeah. Now, oh, Ed, that, that was showing the trend of starting to blame places like New York and California for the... For the virus and stuff. Well, <laughs> apparently, apparently, people. What places where there are ports where people tend to congregate f- yeah. from planes? Imagine yeah, that. Yeah, but they're actually they're actually starting to test and quarantine flyers from New York coming into other places. <clears throat> I brought up the uh, uh, plush time wins kids. Yes. in the past, those are the the two uh, 20, 20 somethings married couple, and they play crane and carnival games and win prizes and video, just, just videotape be, themselves doing it. Just and I be, love them. Be aware if you are sensitive to high pitched tones. <laughs> Jeff hates her voice. I. <laughs> and the funny thing is, she seems like a very. I've met her. She's honest, very sweet. No, I like like she seems like a very genuine excitable person yes. and like and and she seems very genuine in all the videos it's just that tone is right at that point she's where she's got that victoria jackson style voice it's that <laughs> wow. it's that threshold of pain it's like that cringeworthy style I, and it and it yeah. bothers me because it's that duality it's like i understand that this is just her being herself but man, it's just right at that that tone that like pokes you in the ear and says, "This hurts, doesn't it? This hurts, doesn't it?" I think she is adorable. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> but these these kids, they had this big plan for these two months. They were going to move to Japan for a couple months. Yeah. Right. Oh and, uh, shit! And they did. Oh, they did. So now they're stuck. <laughs> no, they literally just came back. S- Saturday, I think. Okay. They decided, mostly because if something happened to their family, they wanted to not be forced out because of border control of some sort. Right. And so they wanted to come back for that reason. But they they were moving ahead with their plan. They were in Japan playing the games and in their masks and gloves and doing what they do best. And uh, But yeah, they were forced to... To come back, but I was wondering. I was watching their channel, just just waiting to see. Okay, what 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 are they going to do next? Now, uh, Americans moving to Japan for weird reasons. Okay, what will happen next? Yeah, really. So I, I'm glad they're back. I'm glad they're safe. But that was a fascinating vlog to watch. Yeah, I'll bet. So, gentlemen, what about yourselves? What geeky things you do this week? You, Oy. I mean, did you have time? Uh. <laughs> An excessive amount of time. Yeah, really. I've been watching an embarrassing amount of television. Oh, there's. Dear. You know what? At this time, there is no such thing. Every hour of television you watch is for the good of the country and the world. So That's good right. on you, Jeff. <clears throat> Save the world, Jeff. Uh, Save the world. Watch TV. Lot of lot of reading. Lot of television. Internet porn. Uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me like it is. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay home, hub. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting you say that. They did start giving out free free premium memberships on Pornhub. They're always giving out free memberships on Pornhub. And you know, I, don't, I found, ruin it. don't ruin it, Todd. I found out about it because it came up on the news, and that was like... Okay, that's fine. When it starts headlining, you know things are, you know things are serious. When, when Pornhub is in the headlines in your news feed, and it was some reputable, it was like MSNBC that reported it. I was like, really? So that that's their, their that's their thing to try to encourage people to stay at home by giving them free premium access. All right, I'm going to stay on this topic for just one second. Okay, sure. <laughs> because I, I I am genuinely curious. How did Pornhub become the number one porn place to go to on the internet? No there, idea. There are thousands. Yeah. Upon thousands out there of things yeah. trying to vie for your eyes in the porn world. How did they get to become so not only just number one, but so number one that the news, yeah, I, brings them up by name? Well, I mean, like you, you see, like comedy shows bring it up all the time. So it's out in the zeitgeist now. Like it's sure, it's it's a term. Like even if you quote unquote don't watch porn, like a lot of people say they don't, uh, it's out there. Like people, those people even know what that is, that site is. So it's weird. Um, I don't know how. I, don't I literally wanna, don't. I don't want to talk out of school. Um, I mean, but if I had to, oh, theorize, why not? We are. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I've heard dubious claims. No, or claims of dubiousness on the part of Pornhub in terms uh. of. In terms of uh, getting content, holding on to content, stuff like that. Are you saying that they are the Disney of porn? Um, there, there is there is a possibility of that. Um, if I had to speculate, I, I, I don't know for sure though, so I don't want to. I don't want to commit to any kind of comment. My speculation would be, you know, in the title, it's calling itself a hub. So maybe what they do is, for all these thousands of independent websites, they kind of make it a branch to go off to those websites and say, here's content from X site, and then if you want to go visit that site, you can click here and go. Okay, well, I'll tell you right that's, now. That's, so that would be my guess. So you're saying the name's a little more family-friendly, and therefore it's... Uh, yeah. Oh, no, they, they have content <laughs> online, but oh, I'm like, oh, no, but I'm talking their name. Their name yeah. is, sounds very... Pornhub. It's... Yeah. it's, um, it's your one-stop shop for if you do try to research why <laughs> good luck <laughs> Pornhub is so big don't google why is Pornhub so big because you're not gonna get what you're looking for because that's what she said I don't know <laughs> yeah it's so big porn videos oh my god it's so big porn it's so big porn it's too big porn oh my god it's so big you're going to hurt my butt Porn. <laughs> See, these are the names of websites that you couldn't call things that would go into the news. So, but Pornhub is a very news-friendly yes. name. Um, oh, give, talking about free subscriptions, this was kind of cool. I don't know if you have it in the news, but uh, CBS gave out a month of... Well, actually, uh, Patrick Stewart was the one that announced it uh, over Facebook and Twitter. He gave, They gave a, a free month uh, subscription to CBS... All access now is it? No, uh, I, now I thought it was just for Picard. It's it's a full subscription to CBS All Access. So it's a free thirty days. So I guess my understanding is that it was led by the Picard production team that convinced CBS to do this. But you have full access to all the shows that are on there. So you have some originals that are on there. The Twilight Zone 
uh, reboot is on there. You can watch all the episodes of that. Um, people that liked that show The Good Wife, they have The Good Fight, which is like the spinoff of that. Um, I've heard some people like, I don't really know enough about the show to say one way or another whether it's a good show, but um, I took advantage of that and was able to get completely caught up on Star Trek Picard uh, up to and including the finale, which uh, was was kind of an emotional roller coaster, I okay. guess is the best way to put it. I, I hear a lot of mixed things about Picard. I know yeah, you're enjoying I, it. <clears throat> I'm enjoying it. I had problems with the final episode, yeah. but it's... It's spoilery to discuss it, so I yeah. don't know when we want to discuss it. Uh, but yeah, th- I had some problems. But overall, yeah, I'm just, I, 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 I was watching it, and I actually kind of patted myself on the back uh, because, because you figured out, you know, no, 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 oh, okay. no, no, not, 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 not Jeff style, not specific to the story, <laughs> but rather it's been my position uh-huh. since we were working at the experience. That the future of the Trek franchise is to get away from Starfleet. Yeah. Quit making every single Trek uh, series about an element of Starfleet. And uh, Picard has involvement with Starfleet, but nevertheless is kind of kind of stepping away. Yeah. And that was one of the things I really like about it because they have created this universe, this galaxy of this world building that is so rich, yeah. I actually think that the Starfleet thing is a bit of a straitjacket and they need to break out of it. Well, yeah. the, the way that they've changed the way Starfleet operates in the, sh- in the series is kind of interesting too, where it's become this kind of, uh, you know, Federation first kind of thing. So they don't, you know, the philanthropic efforts are no longer there and they're like only protecting if you're a member planet kind of which thing. Which is sort of which is sort of um, making some yeah. of the whiners whine. Well, it's, it's a reflection of the mm-hmm. modern world like like Star Trek has always been. Right. So, um, yeah. Kind um, of nationalist? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Federationalist. Right, there, <laughs> there you go. go. Yeah. Uh, I did, uh, there was an episode where there is a Quark's bar on this planet that uh, kind of made me uh, smile when I saw that. I love I that like, he's franchised. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is interesting because that was the storyline behind our Corks Bar and Restaurant at the Experience is that we were the the first Corks uh, franchise mm. outside of the Beta Quadrant. Yeah. So. So what else you do this week? Um, choose. Yeah. <laughs> um. I've been watching. I've been been watching some stuff on uh, Netflix. I I mentioned Flick Connection, and um, I I watched uh, his episode where he talked about some of the most brutal movies on Netflix. So I've been watching hyper violent brutal movies, and one of the things that I kind of got into uh, is this uh, this martial artist dude Scott Adkins, um, who is producing these these low budget um movies that are ending up on netflix like avengement or the debt collector but they're directed and written by a friend and it's almost it's almost like low budget john wick in that it's sort of these fight director fight choreographer special effects dudes who are just getting together and making their own little movies so it's really interesting because he's a he's he's a good martial artist, but he's also he's also a decent actor. 
This is Scott Atkins. Uh, Scott Atkins, two T's, and it's A-D-K-I-N-S. And um, he, the debt collector, was interesting because he uh, co-stars with Louis Mandalore, who um, is a is a Greek Australian actor, and you would recognize his face, even though the name <clears throat> generally doesn't conjure anything. But he does a really nice job. He actually does a really nice performance, a really nice job in um, in this movie. So it's been interesting discovering Scott Adkins' little little world of creating little gangster movies, uh, martial arts movies, stuff like that. I've been enjoying watching that. Akame Gakil, I think is the name. It's an anime that's on uh, uh, Netflix. And it's, you know, it's the typical run around with swords, you know, chopping people up, which is the anime I like, so... <clears throat> so that that's been part of what I've been watching that and I finished I went through Picard finished through so I don't know if I ever mentioned like the different channels that I follow on YouTube but I've been watching a lot of YouTube um, videos um, like uh, these are just some of the the channels that I've been watching over the last couple of weeks uh, postmodern jukebox which is fantastic oh and yeah I, well, they had a they, live show here in Vegas yeah, for a while I, yeah exactly and I never got to go see it but I didn't I I don't know why I wasn't aware that they had an actual channel on YouTube, but I just recently discovered it. They're mostly and old school interpretations of yes, modern music. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, you didn't know that? I didn't really? know they had a YouTube channel. Wow. I, I mean, I had come across videos of them from concert performances and so forth, but for some reason or another, oh, wow. the, the fact always, that they had an actual channel <clears throat> never came up. I don't know their history. I took it as a gimme that they actually started on YouTube. I don't know if they did or not. Or if they promote, I them, believe so. they did. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, that that was my impression of it. Because I would see see their two. I I love I love the approach. Yeah. The whole <clears throat> just older style. They recently did a uh, '60s soul version of Metallica. Okay. That uh, actually was uh, very interesting. The, so. the most interesting one that they did recently that I just was absolutely fascinated with was um, they took the theme song from Friends by the Rembrandts and actually featured the Rembrandts on there. But they did versions of the song starting from the 40s all the way up to the 90s. And then wow. the 90s version was where the Rembrandts came in and sang it. It was fascinating because they're using the different musical styles from the 40s, 50s, yeah. 60s, and so on. It is very, it's very interesting how they approach that. My introduction to Postmodern Jukebox was actually something that Puddles did. Okay. Because he actually That's had... That's right. He his, did his, his version of Royals. Yeah. 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 And it was just... It was so funny because you're... That was my first introduction to Puddles. And it was just like... God, this is the goddamn shit. And it was really funny because that was like a year, a year and a half before he appeared on America's Got Talent. Yeah. So watching him appear on there and everyone in the audience kind of like not being aware of him was also surreal because it's like in our circles. Oh, yeah. It's... Especially like entertainment industry. So everybody talks about puddles now. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it the, the whole thing was just fascinating. So Go to alt entertainment. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh, Toy Galaxy, which are little 10-minute videos. Um, if you like the toys that made us, this is a lot in that vein where they, they talk about the history of you know different toy collections and 
you know, how they came to be and so forth. But, but he'll get into more than I knew. Yes. So like sectars. Yes. Like very, there. he's come across some that I had forgotten about. Like I'll go, oh my God, I totally can't. I, I, I had some of those toys, but I forgot mind. about them. It always blows your fucking mind when you're like, did I? Did I? I did. I had one of those, you know, and you're just, you're digging through the cobwebs yeah. of your brain and, and digging something out of the trunk that you literally haven't thought of in decades. Well, and, and what's fascinating too is like, as a kid, a lot of my toys that I came across or, or that I that I that I came to own were stuff that my mom would get at toy at uh, at garage sales or like at the Goodwill. So a lot of times I didn't know what this line was from, and watching that show has gone, oh, so that's where that toy that I had came from, you know, because it didn't come in a box, it didn't have sometimes all the accessories you know you're just like you're just like oh this looks cool and you play with it and then you get older and you're like i wonder what that's all about and where did i get forky anyway yeah um and then i've i've talked in the past about my love of you know the whole theme park history channels so theme park history is one of the channels i like yesterworld is another one that's just amazing and then Expedition Theme Park is another one that just they they all three of them do a fantastic job. There's probably more out there that I've you know neglected to mention or you know have come across and just not subscribed to. Was that a Minecraft video I just saw on your screen there, Jeff? Uh, maybe. Were you, were you watching some Minecraft there? I wasn't I, watching Minecraft. Are you sure? But... I want to be sure you're not watching Minecraft videos there, Jeff. I've been watching a lot of Minecraft videos, so don't I'll feel bet. bad if you are. Did you, did you, have you come across, I, I just saw this uh, recently, somebody who made the earth? Oh, one-to-one? One? Yeah, in, I, in I, Minecraft? I, I know it exists. I okay. haven't seen the footage yet. All right. It's been suggested to me. I haven't watched it, but okay. I've been watching way too much Hermitcraft. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about Minecraft to be fully dazzled by it, but I know just enough to know that that. You should be dazzled by it. Yeah. Yeah. The the only Minecraft videos I've ever watched were when I used to watch you craft things. That's really the only <laughs> ones that I... When I used to put uh, chicken farms way up in the sky over yeah. Barry's oh my God. castle. I, I, yeah. That was a good time. That, a good time. That, my favorite Minecraft story is when uh, Scott's uh, son, Jack, figured out, cracked his, uh, his Minecraft... Uh, password oh no and, and, and got into his and 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 scott didn't know for like a week and one day he logs in after not being on for a week <laughs> and he's got a shit ton of comments and messages motherfucker what are you doing you asshole what the hell oh so Be- he's going on a server and because doing because oh, his no. son was logging on and all he knew it's funny he figured out how to use his password and get on but okay. he didn't know how to do anything except destroy stuff. <laughs> so he would just march around the server destroying stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody was just like, motherfucker, what are you doing, you son of a bitch? <laughs> oh, my God. That's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been playing at my share of Minecraft, both uh, uh, modded on PC and then unmodded on PS4. And uh, having a good time with it, but I'm starting to get that server itch to play with others. So, so, um, so if you're interested out there, uh, talk to me. Yeah, but you know, uh, that uh, might, uh, might uh, happen uh, again. Uh, Scoop Monkey D and D Guild is actually also looking at other games, and I believe Elena has created 
a Scoop Monkey Minecraft server. Yeah, but really. Let's, let's face it. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm I'm going to stop you there because I need that yeah. information. So, uh, th- if you have information on the Scoop Monkey Minecraft server, uh, send it to me at Master Dorgo on on Twitter or on the Shock Monkey group on Facebook. Because um, yeah, I'm getting that itch. And if you already got a server where there are already friends happening, I'd I'd rather go where there are friends happening. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's face it, you get over that that server itch real fast. Like, uh, that can happen. Well, there's yeah. a lot that distracts me. Yes, a lot. Very true. So, yeah, if I join the server, don't expect that I'll be one of the people that are on there like eight hours a day. You're not going to make the earth? It'll be like, yeah. <laughs> I'll be on there like eight hours a week. So <laughs> so that be aware, if I start a server, that's where it's going to go. Uh, whew, but I'm excited by that idea. Even it's just popping in and creating a shitty little house and a, a wheat farm. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, the last <clears throat> channel I wanted to mention uh, is Night Rider Historians. Night Rider Historians. Is it exactly what it sounds like? It is. Um, the, it's two guys. There's one guy that's primarily running the channel, but these two guys bought a screen-used uh, Pontiac Trans Am that was used on the show Night Rider, and they've now kind of become these kind of unofficial historians for the show. Like, they're they're gathering scripts, like original copies of scripts, wow. props, etc. They're trying to find as much screen-used... Um, was the Trans Am cursed? No. They're they just, bought a Trans Am, then all of a sudden they're the keepers of of the lore. Were they cursed? To, they just, they just became fascinated. There was a curse on the car, and then all that curse was they were focused and <laughs> and absolutely driven to only get Knight Rider stuff. Go. Joe Hill, you can use this idea if you hear this. But uh, it, it's, it's fascinating seeing a lot of these screen-used props that, you know, were kit pieces you know um i will warn you ahead of time the guy he frequently even says it himself he's not a professional so he just kind of it's a lot of unedited footage it's like literally him droning on about stuff and he has sometimes a voice that will lull you to sleep that that hits Ah. that button so it hits that jeff button so yeah (laughs) Just, turn just be aware. Wake Jeff, up. Jeff's got a lot of audio he does. triggers. He does. Well, I'm just saying, like, yeah, he's <laughs> he starts droning on because he doesn't know how to make it entertaining. Sometimes is what I'm trying to get at. So, um, if you like that kind of history of a history of a TV show, that's right. it's really fascinating. When you yeah. said Knight Rider historians, I thought you meant the early days of the KKK, and I was just no. like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> Jeff has been talking with our conservative friends way too much. Is getting into some real I, shit. I'm, I'm it's going stir crazy. <laughs> I'm really curious how you made that leap. <laughs> Night Riders. They were called the Night Riders oh. in, in the early days before they got really, really organized. They were they they put on the hoods. And, Je- Jeff, and so I'm, so let me just be clear. Night Rider, the '80s TV show featuring David Hasselhoff, not what Kirsten is talking no, about. No, no, this, is, this is very heartening to me. Jeff, I'm so glad you didn't know that. That says yeah, a lot about go. the character of I Jeff. There you that. go. There you go. I love it. I <laughs> uh, got a few things done this week, but not a whole lot. Uh, but we are now on Spotify for the first time as a podcast. So if you've been, ah, I want Geek Shock, but I want it on Spotify. Well, now you can. Because uh, we, we weren't available 10 other places before that. Well, so. we, oh, we, we, wow. A lot of Mike aggregators Trump. out there, but there's some very specific places that people enjoy their podcasts, and we right. want to be there, too. All right. Uh, we have a new book for April for the book club. Whoopsie. Uh, and the, uh, Whoopsie. A, a, I put the 
poll out there because normally April is a graphic month, novel mm-hmm. month, but I want to make sure everybody did for April what they wanted to do this time around. Right. <clears throat> so I gave the offer. We can also do a novel if you'd rather, or just a catch-up week if you want to mm. go back to some other books you haven't finished. Uh, but no, it was unanimous from the beginning. We're doing a graphic novel. Oh, And the graphic novel that was chosen by Poll is Sex Criminals, Volume 1, uh, One Weird Trick by Matt Fraction. It's so. at, volume 1 is really good. Is it Fraction really or good. Faction? Fraction. It is Fraction? It is, with an R. Fraction. Matt okay. Fraction. Matt Fraction. And we'll begin discussing that on the 8th, but All take right. your time. Not Matt Houston. Matt Join Fraction. us when you are ready. Yes. No, this is a no-pressure club. And then we'll talk about criminal sex. Yeah. <laughs> and I also want to bid a happy return to Geek Shock Alt Facts to Twitter. Yay! Yes. Uh, uh, Alice, I really appreciate what you do. Uh, if you don't already follow Geek Shock Alt Facts, I do try to retweet them on the official Geek Shock Twitter page as well. So you can always tend to find them there. Uh, you were missed. Good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. We should we should get those. The one on, that cracked uh, me up put was them on the, the lair. The '80s Jeff PR firm being behind the, the the official POTUS Twitter, and I was like, "Wait a minute! He doesn't use anything for the POTUS Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't use a PR firm." Now I have been playing a lot of games, uh, video games, uh, and a few non-video games. Uh, played some single-player one-deck dungeon, which is a dice and card game uh, that's built for one player. In fact, there's a two-player option to play it, uh, but that's kind of sh- that's kind of shoehorned in. Usually, it's the solo play that's shoehorned in on a board game, but it's uh, it's made for one player, and it's a lot of fun. Apparently, there's a app version out there. It's it's a dungeon crawl going through a deck once, and that's where the deck is the timer of the game. When the deck runs through, then things get harder until you make it or you don't. And then there's a boss at the end. If you've leveled up far enough, you might be able to defeat him. But if not, you are going to get creamed. So wow. it's one of those games that's not easy to win if you play it right. Uh, I won the first time because I didn't play it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Okay. That's the thing with board games. You you play it that very first time, and there's always that one or two or three rules that you didn't right. quite figure in. It's like, that that didn't seem right. Why wasn't that right? Then you realize what it was, yeah. and you fine-tune it. So that first game's always going to be off. I uh, I downloaded Blue Tracks, which is a... Uh, or Blue Tax? Blue Stacks. Blue, Blue Stacks. Blue Stacks. And it's a... Is that like a, Blue Waffle? No. Okay. Uh, it's uh, It's an Android emulator for PC. Ah. <clears throat> because I wanted to play Zombie Gunship. Uh, but my phone is a little old and it's it's starting to it's it's starting to show its age and it's already running slow on a number of things, so I wasn't gonna download it on my phone. So I put blue stacks on the game computer and got zombie gunship on it and totally didn't work. <laughs> It's just too fucking slow and laggy and just was not working. Ah. So I had to uninstall it. So I was disappointed because Zombie Gunship is actually right right up my speed. It's just, it's it's literally like a, a, hard, a horde mode type of game where you just keep playing against zombie hordes. Until, until you can't. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was sad. That, that had me a sad. I watched a few movies, of course. Watched the new mm-hmm. Hellboy. Oh, I saw that. Okay, uh, not bad. Where was that? Yeah, it's. Uh, I I I think I watched on HBO or something yeah. like that. It was it was on one of them. Yeah, yeah it was and it wasn't bad. It was okay. Yeah, uh, I had nothing to write home about. 
I think Harbor did a fine job in the role. In fact, I think I might actually like him a little better in the role. <sighs> really? I know. Whoa. I know it's right. Uh, but the, the the script and the story was just okay. Yeah. Was, uh, what was the uh, the pitch meeting thing? Is like the uh, the reboot that nobody asked for. <laughs> Did somebody ask for that? Nah. <laughs> We're just going to do it anyway. Of course, we read Starship Troopers for last month for the mm. Geek Shock Book Club. So yeah. I had to revisit Starship Troopers once I finished oh, the book. Jesus. The movie just to, because oh, I know it's completely man. different, but I wanted movie. to see even where the and names were, content, were continued. Oh, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, completely different experience. <laughs> All different experience. Yeah. Uh, I've, after, now that the vote's been done for April, I'll probably put up my, uh, my thoughts on uh, March's book. Uh, which is middling, just a spoiler alert. And uh, I've been playing a lot of Watch Dogs 2, been trying to go back through my back catalog of video games that have kind of hit the shelf over time, uh, which is a, a fun open-world game. Uh, it's kind of that whole 90s hackers kind of style movie as an open-world game where everything's just over the top and yeah, not real. <laughs> I think that was why I it, just couldn't. It plays play it. with its own rules. Yeah. But it, it works within this the setting itself. So I'm really enjoying that so far. Uh, one other movie I did watch that I wanted to bring up because it was a bit of a disappointment. And that is the musical Mamma Mia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not familiar, and probably many of you are We haven't discussed this before? No, I've never watched it. Wow. I, I swear I brought it up on the show and you said something like, well, a lot of people love that movie. And I'm like, yeah. They do. They do. And, uh, and Fanatically so. Yes. And but it compares. It's got a sequel now, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. Mama Mia, Mia, here we go again, including songs that they left out of the last one. Yep. If you're not familiar, Mama Mia, Broadway stage musical, very, very uh, popular uh, based on the music of ABBA. They took a bunch of ABBA songs and they tried to create a story out of it. I'll have and, to look it up to see if it's still on there, but YouTube did have a version of the Broadway production on there. And I believe kind of invented the jukebox musical, as it's yes. called now, where yes. you base a musical on popular music and usually one artist of some sort. Uh, Billy Joel Stepping Out, for yep. example, was a musical for a short time, or uh, American Idiot by Green Day. That one was amazing. Uh, that one's good. Um, uh, Mamma Mia, however, um, I have a big problem when Hollywood and musicals cast star power over ability. Ah. Because Glenn Close is... Oh, it's not Glenn Close, is it? No, it's... Uh, uh, Streep? Yeah, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Streep. Amazing actress. I could watch her in anything as long as she's not singing. <laughs> <laughs> not that she's a horrible singer. She's just not great. But she's not good. And, and like for this caliber she, of show, she's not a triple threat. A atonal. Yes, thank you. Atonal. I won't say atonal, but a, the, but, a <laughs> few times. But there there are there are some pitchy moments. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Atonal. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. I enjoy watching him. Not a singer. And it kind of continues on that way through the whole thing. I've never seen Les Misérables the musical as far as the movie goes. Oh wow! And I own it, and I've kind of shied from it. Les Miserables, one of my favorite musicals. The reason why I haven't done it is because I know they filmed the singing live on the soundstage instead of going into a uh, sound studio. In ADR? Yeah, and then then just mouth-syncing over what they sang Mm -hmm. 
the best take. And so I know that there's a lot of that in that musical. Some people are better than others. And this one, wow. And the, the story, it's, it's, it's not made yeah. for me. The, the story is made for people who really like brunch. Right. That's, 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 <laughs> that is the aim of Mamma Mia. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's, God. That's, that's who loves Mamma Mia, and I get why, and more power to you. Not for me. That is just And this is, is somebody, awesome. I own the soundtrack to the Broadway. It's not like I don't like the music of the show. Uh, although, ABBA, it's give or take. Some ABBA songs are great. Some ABBA songs aren't. And right. th- this musical has them both. I, I remember ABBA as a kid, and I loved it. it. And it was funny. I was always skeptical of Mamma Mia. I still haven't seen it. Because there's no draw for me whatsoever. You should watch it. But um, it's great. Uh, but well, I I actually like <laughs> Benny and Bjorn a lot. Mm. So the fact that they were so involved in this, they wrote my favorite musical of all time, mm-hmm. Chess. Chess. Yeah. So yes, I I have no qualm with their music whatsoever. Right. right. But Chess is definitely a superior product than Mamma Mia. That's funny because it has a story where the music was written for the story, not the story written for the music. Right, right, right. I, um, I'm i interested in, in you uh, watching Les Miserables because... Uh, It'll probably happen. It, cause it, to to hear your opinion of it, because... Well, Jackman is fantastic. Jackman is a triple threat. Yeah, he's, I will watch he's he is a song and dance. Even, um, I, I want uh, him in every musical. Damn it. Uh, just to, uh, Russell Crowe yeah. has some moments of pretty good um yeah. vocals and 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 hearing what you said about how they how they filmed it'd be interesting to you know but e- but even watching cats you in on the screen you knew yeah. who was a musical performer right and who was it and who was a ballet dancer <laughs> yeah immediately you knew who was what yeah yeah and so when you cast somebody who's great against somebody who's okay that okay does not look good so, yeah, I bet musical talk, Geek Shock. Well, you know, interesting you said that because I just saw Rocket Man the other day, oh, which is the, yes. uh, the, the semi-musical biopic of Elton John. It's a really interesting movie. Taron Edgerton does a really good job of portraying Elton John. The movie is interesting. It has some really good dramatic setups, like, you know, Bet- you know, interaction between the different characters, and then it'll spin off into this complete fantasy realm with the musical segments. So, it's not a true musical. It's not a true drama. It's kind of a movie that doesn't know exactly what it is. It's entertaining enough that it's worth a, a watch. Okay, but I don't know if it would be a movie I would watch again. Um, but as I said, Taron Edgerton's performance is amazing. Um, I just. Yeah, you're talking about this, and I just realized you had that whole Elton John subplot in the last Kingsman movie. Yeah, I, d- I didn't even think of that. Well, that is apparently because the I, I, Elton John's production company is the one that produced this film. Uh, so apparently, that him meeting Taron Edgerton and finding out that Taron can sing mm. was kind of the genesis of them <clears throat> him saying, "Hey, I've been wanting to do this project for a while. There's somebody I'd like that's, to cast." That's great. I, I I love it because I had a, a friend of mine uh, back in the 80s, college buddy, a good person, good friend, but very conservative. 
I don't know how I end up with these people. <laughs> because but you love all kinds, Kay. I guess You're so. You're a great person. Yeah, tell that to some of my <laughs> the people I've argued with on Facebook. But he, he was conservative enough that he loved Elton John, loved him, and refused to believe he was gay. Oh. Refused. And it was yep. it was don't, funny. Don't break my impressions. Yeah, it it was funny. I'm not allowed to like a gay. Because yep. I guess I, I guess he was he was one of those one of those don't really talk about it, but come on for the eight. It was somewhere, wasn't it? The late '80s or '90s where he finally just officially came yeah. out and yeah, and and hey, come I on. Say for, for those of you who were living under a rock, you know. But it was funny because my buddy. Was one of those people, and he just he he could not. Oh yeah, there were a lot of people. He was like, was like, oh, that's just the stage persona. Yeah, that's just the stage <laughs> exactly, persona. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. It it it's just it's just hilarious, and I think about it now because because uh, he really he really did love him. He, I I got to thinking about my buddy Jeff because uh, Jeff because um, I got I did my five questions thing on. Uh, uh, Facebook, and one of them was about concerts, and uh, Jeff and I actually did a couple of Billy Joel concerts. Oh, nice! Because Jeff's from Jersey, I'm from New York, so uh, it's really funny if you look at like regional uh, radio playlists. You know, you get all sorts of different um, stars all across the country, and different, and then. The Mid-Atlantic, the tri-state area, you get this pocket of Billy Joel. Yes. You yep. know, <laughs> East Pennsylvania, New York, Jersey, Connecticut, a bit of Massachusetts. And you know, Neil Billy, Diamond? Billy Joel. Oh. It's just right there. I was going to say, Massachusetts is very Neil Diamond. Yeah, now. well, Can West we, Mass. West, West Mass? Mass? Okay. Towards, I'll let you borrow my Broadway recording of Moving Out. Yeah. Uh, one of the first concerts I ever did was, uh, was his uh, bridge tour. Because he he came to Chicago while I was at, I would have I loved mean, to have seen him in concert. He he is he is good, and he it's crazy because uh, I decided to go research it on the internet, Jeff, and I was looking around, and he he still does shit. He yeah. has a semi residency at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, he, he performs he, he all perform, the time. Performs all the. In fact, you look through the history of touring; it's so funny. It'll be like he did some stuff in eighty, then eighty two then 84, and then it slowly starts catching up to year by year until now he's just, he's dates all the time. It's and really, really Yeah, cool. and apparently he's still writing music, but it's much more instrumental pieces. Yeah. He's not really doing He's not really putting pop out style. the pop rock albums yeah. anymore. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't done a new album like that in yeah. a long time. Follow it, your muse, man. Yeah. Remember when yeah. you re- released that first uh, music uh, instrumental album in the 90s oh yeah Yeah. people were just like this is billy joel yeah yeah, that was incredible yeah it was it was a really good album but people just didn't know what to make of it sure right and he even like said this is going to be a very different thing than you're used to and well it's like the you know even when he was playing around with it beforehand like the preamble for angry young man um, yeah yeah it, it was you could see you could see that it's almost like when you two did discotheque and it was just like Wow, hard German, East German disco tech music done by U2. That, this is it. It was such a bizarre album. 
it, it, it was a, uh, it wrenched your neck a little. Yeah. Listening to it. Yeah. Because you're just like, uh, ah, uh, ah. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was, yeah. I remember I, buying that album and just going, uh, what? I, U2 was another one, a big, I did a couple of their okay. concerts here uh-huh. in Vegas. Yeah, and, me too. But I had a, I had trouble adjusting to their doing different styles and stuff at first. Then I sort of got into it, and now I actually appreciate them. That was you know. one of my f- most favorite concerts ever. Is I did the uh, Zoo TV outside broadcast tour. Uh, I got to go to that concert back in, uh, would have been late 92. And wow, that was such an amazing concert. All right, I'm going to tangent this. Yeah. And say, gentlemen, of, of, there's going to be a music moment in Geek Shot. What album gave you the biggest whiplash of a group that you really enjoyed? Like you listened to their music and so on, but they released that album that was such a left turn that you're like, what? Whether you might have liked it or not, but really just made you go, okay, just wrenched your neck a little bit for, for how hard it hit you. Well, that was, yeah, that, that made you go, I don't know if I like this band anymore. Sure, or? however you want to interpret the I, question. I, well, I mean... That was for for me for you too because I was such a huge U two fan up to that point and Discotech came out and I was just like wow this is or I think actually I'm sorry the album's name is Pop and Discotech yes. is one of the tracks yes, on it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Excuse me, I, yeah. I I'm correcting myself, course correcting. Yeah, Pop was one of those albums that now I eventually came back to them years later. That was one that just I was just like, uh huh. And I guess Zeropa was the beginning of that trend where sure. they were trying they were doing a lot more experimenting and so forth. And but I kind of still liked Zeropa. And then they went into pop and I was just like, whoa, no. I'm this is <laughs> it's an album I own and I have listened to one time. Okay, yeah, that's a fine I listened to it okay. beginning to end once and I was I was done with it. Mm. So it's it's somewhere in a closet yeah. in my case of CDs that I still own. I, I I think that album for me, I'm I'm a huge Duran Duran fan yep. going way back. Uh, there there's only one band I put above, and that's Hall of Notes just because I loved them first. <laughs> but Duran Duran probably had a bigger chunk of my life of of just in love with that band. And of course, they had their they've had a lot of ups and downs and waves over time. But the one album they put out that was absolutely bizarre was a tribute album. Oh yeah, I remember it's that. An all cover album they put out called Thank You. And it was the album they put out after the wedding album, which right. was a big album seller yes. that had uh, Come Undone and uh, Ordinary World, their big yep. comeback in the 90s. Well, they used that comeback energy to release Thank You. Yes. Which, uh, uh, wow, um, should it's, not It's very have different. Uh, now I'm glad it did because it has the most weird tracks I, I will say there is one really good track off that album, and that is their cover of Watching the Detectives uh, by Elvis Costello. They do a fantastic cover of that. However, they do not do good covers of The Doors' Crystal Ship. No. <laughs> uh, they do not do a good cover of Lay, Lady, Lay. No. They definitely do not do a good cover of 911 is a joke by uh, Public yeah, Enemy. Yeah, that was the one that, I, that made me really turn my head <laughs> sideways. I was like... Looking at the track list, and I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, they don't Duran Duranify it. They they rap. The arrangements are so weird. They're yeah. not they're not Duran Duran style covers of songs. They're just covers that are 
oddly arranged. That There's no rhyme or reason for the way they did the musical styles on each of them because each musical style is just a little bit different from each other's yeah. on and, that whole album. And there's one song that I enjoy off that album very, uh, what's the word, guiltily in a way uh-huh. because it is ridiculous, but I still really enjoy it, their version of it. And I can't remember the name of the song, so you're going to have to help me. Um, it's it's the song about cocaine uh, that uh, get higher, baby. Get higher, baby. Don't you ever come down. Free bass. Freeze. Oh, Rock. Yeah, come on, I y'all. Freeze. You, yeah. I know the song. Yeah. I can't think of the title. Yeah. It's a rap. And uh, it's about cocaine. And it should be because Duran Duran. It's such a ridiculous version of it. And it's wonderful at the same time because they go after it with 100% bombast. And Duran Duran should never, ever do that. But they did, and I'm happy they did. Speaking of Duran Duran, there is a wonderful documentary on Showtime that you need to look up. It's called Duran Duran, There's Something You Should Know. Watched it two days ago. Okay. And uh, I appreciate you bringing it up. I had meant to tell you months ago, and I forgot, and it just, since you brought it up, I was just like, oh, I got to tell him about this. Uh, really interesting documentary. Oh, fa- absolutely. I and- was kind of surprised. I mean, I know they weren't open about everything, but I was kind of surprised at how open they were about a lot of the stuff that they did discuss. They, yeah, they, it, it, and if you like Duran Duran, I definitely, definitely recommend it. It's pretty fantastic. Kay, do you have a... You know, I'm trying to think, because I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not big into music like most Americans. So it 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 isn't it isn't a huge thing for me. And so a head turner I don't know. I mean maybe I mean I liked pop. So I think it was I think it was actually uh Zuropa, maybe even Octung Baby that I was sort of like, eh? Octung was kind of what I felt was like to me was like their their white album. Mm-hmm. It was like that album that was just so unique and so different, but is still an album of songs that I can listen to from beginning right. to end without yeah and 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 it's kind of underplayed nowadays. Yeah, like they play a lot more and, of their eighties and, and I don't and, have a problem with it. Two thousand. I, I I can I mean I can still kink my head, but it I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, the closest maybe would be like Kiss Unmask. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. You know? Sure. Maybe. I don't, you know? I mean, that's about where... Kiss Unplugged was the one that for, for Kiss because the MTV sh- the MTV Unplugged with Kiss, if you watch the, the full unedited broadcast, it's tons of songs that are not even their more popular songs. So that was the one that I was just like, why did you guys do this with the the choices of tracks were very odd that I felt, you know, I felt that there were other songs they could do better acoustically, which is where the live albums and then the uh, I think it's the Alive Down Under where they have the the Australian, I think it's the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. Those the, those tracks are amazing. But yeah, interesting the thing you say about Octune Baby is cuz that's the album that almost broke the band up. Like um Bono and the Edge were just like so into that kind of industrial music scene, yeah. Um, that was coming out of Europe at the time, and you know Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr. just they weren't getting it. They're right. just like they. Right. It, I remember it that. wasn't it wasn't hitting with them. They're like, well, why can't we just do what we've been doing? 
you know that songwriting yeah. seemed to go well and, and it was it was it, it was it and that was well. that was part of it with me too is like why why the but I just I that's when I started appreciating it because I remember when yeah. I first when I first when I came back to the states in the mid '80s and started hearing U2, I was sort of like, "The hell, who the hell are these guys?" Um, and then it was um, the video of uh, where the streets have no name that I was sort of like, oh, "These these guys are pretty fucking amazing." Yeah. I, I actually, this is actually very, and I got one over really quick. I turned around really quick and um, uh, came to enjoy them. And then, and then, yeah, they went through that, that zone where I was sort of like, what the fuck are they doing? But it's weird because now some of my favorite stuff um, is, uh, is from that era. If you want to call it an era, the 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 and just reading the interviews where yeah. Bono is talking about this, there's this great stuff coming out of Europe yep. right now, especially like Germany and with the with the East collapsing and stuff like that and this and that. And I was just like, well, shit, I got to admire that. And then I I started getting into it more. A lot of that stuff you're talking about is in a documentary they did back in 2011 called From the Sky Down. Um, it's literally the story of that album, A Baktung Baby. And, you know, they, they get into a whole thing about where they started playing one in the in this, this studio in Germany, in Berlin. And that was kind of the, the thing that reunited the band and got them all on the same page. And they're like, oh, I see. And it, it's a fascinating documentary. They do some nice ones. Uh, yeah. I, I love Rattle and Hum. Yeah. And uh, like when they uh, do, uh, uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for with yep. the, the the Harlem, a Harlem uh, church choir. Yep, it was just absolutely just one of the most amazing things. You, you know, could... performing with BB King. Yeah, I mean, come it on. Was, it was just yeah. So you know, so there were moments where I turned my head, but I don't know that it fully turned. You know, it was just like I, I I'm kind of lost here, but maybe. I guess I would say that because I actually was a big Kiss fan when I was younger, but I have to say that Unmasked is where I kind of peter out on knowledge. Lick it up didn't do it for you. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> just uh, of their. Disc. I love that fucking song. It's so ridiculous. I mean, it, it's beyond innuendo in that song. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's it's in your face. But I, I face still love that fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> and the video is grand. It is. It's like it's like, and people. I, I do remember when that video came out, and I only had kind of a, a cursory uh, understanding of Kiss at that time. Uh, I know a lot more about them now, but. I didn't understand why it was such a big deal that they were appearing without their makeup, but there were hardcore Kiss fans that lost their fucking mind yeah. when yeah. they when they stripped off the makeup yeah. and and sure. they did that for what a good 10, 15 years. They did perform without the makeup before they started going back into the yeah the makeup well, scene. I don't know. If it was mostly know, most of the eighties. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the, the most late eighties. Yeah, late eighties. Right. Yeah, I don't think until Psycho Circus came around. Yeah, that they, they put the makeup back on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about about Kiss, Todd? Because it's really funny. I was kind of, I just grew up liking them. I thought, I thought, you know, there there was plenty of songs that I liked. And then, I, some metalheads are talking on this one thread, and you know, you mean other than the fact that Gene Simmons can't sing? Well, <laughs> there, there was a statement of I like. Sometimes I like a a good bad band. Yeah, and that's Kiss. <laughs> and I was just sort of like, what? 
I, I, I didn't quite grasp it. And I wanted to know, is there some kind of musical snobbery thing where Kiss just sucks or something? Am, am I missing? Uh, I, I, before I, I answer the question, I want to oh. preface this answer by saying, remember, I grew up in a very religious household. Yes. <laughs> so Kiss really wasn't allowed because yeah. everyone knows they're knights in Satan's service. Fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> God. So I didn't connect with Kiss until way later. In fact, I don't. I didn't connect with them until I started reading their biographies. Okay, yeah. that's already interesting because that means that you're post that sort of age range zone where you would get into. Sure. I, I, okay. I, I, I read a kind of a general history of KISS, and uh, it was at the time that I was working at Hard Rock, and I was kind of in charge of the music at Hard Rock. Oh, and, yeah. And, and so it was my job to know a, a little bit of something about every band that we had. And we had the full Kiss outfits from their uh, Psycho Circus tour. I remember that on display, and so I want to. Well, I got need to know about the Kiss to. I talk also about remember it. the the video for <laughs> Baba O'Reilly came up as Teenage Wasteland on yeah, your screen one yeah. time on on the little titles thing, and I was like, "Dude, you got to fix that." Yeah, I had I have no control over that shit. <laughs> I know you did, but I just like yeah, there were some issues. That's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, so as I I read kind of a general history, and and during that history, and at the uh, and then uh, the Paul Stanley book, I read that as well. Uh, what was fun is that the book had a not only told the whole biography, but at the end had a discography, song by song, a history of every single song that Kiss wrote. And so during that time of the book, I would read that little biography of that song. I would listen to the song if it was available somewhere, and then I would continue on. And I, that. Wow. It took me forever to read that part because I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of digging where all this is going. And I kind of became a Kiss fan by doing it that way. So there are little chunks of Kiss that I enjoy throughout the years because of it. Um, Overall, I I think they are a very important piece of rock history. Yeah. Uh, And I think that they are better than a lot of people give them credit for. That's true. That's my general opinion. But I was actually, because these were... These were basically metalhead people. Uh, in some cases, some of them doing amateur performance, you know, uh, exactly like like they do, you know, makeup and and theme and all that stuff in in their musical presentation. They brought so, a lot of showmanship. Yes. Yeah. And I was kind of stunned when I got this. I like a good bad band, and that's definitely Kiss. Yeah, Kiss. Blah blah blah. And I was like. Am I? I mean, I'm not. I mean, there's some parts of music I understand, but there are other parts that I don't. So that actually took me, and I was just like, okay, are they truly awful? And and I just, I just am, you know, the rose-colored glasses of the 14-year-old uh, I, I memories. Would, I would say that, as far as Kiss is concerned, there are some songs that they have that are really strong lyric writing, music writing and there are like some, it up yeah <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. there are some that are pretty weak now a lot of the ones that you hear on the radio are the ones that were some of the stronger written stuff right. but well and and also musically because you know. one of i mean i've always been impressed like uh um uh, detroit rock city yeah i think that is that is actually one of the more powerful rock songs that there is I personally feel. And and they, they also came about at a time where you had those record contracts. So you had obligations to fill a certain right. number of tracks per album. 
So I think that's also what spins out of that. You know, here's a good strong song. Here's a good strong song. Eh. Now I so can forth, I can so. get some of it. I mean, right. God of Thunder, right? I'm yeah. not going to sit here and and talk about uh, talk about Zeropa and God of Thunder in the same context, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at at the same time, sure, are, they're they're not going to have the complexity of Rush, uh, right. Without a doubt. But if you just want some, I think when they're saying bad bands, I think they're really just saying some candy s- strip yeah stripped down to just rock and roll about things that are fun i put them yeah. in kind of the same category of acdc in that regard sure okay. it's a, yeah they're a fun band they're not or super Motorhead. serious or political right. in their music they're yeah. just in your face maybe this is it this is what we're about this is fun mm. you know enjoy I like it. the power of it i mean that's yeah. that's my draw to hard rock or sure. metal is is the is the power of the sound. Four chord songs, and most of those are power chords. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And basically, that sentence to you had, makes only marginal sense to me. I know <laughs> some aspects of music to understand it, but not, you know, not all of it. It is so. ironic. Like, some of their best charting songs were the songs that they didn't want to do, like the, the ballads. That, oh Beth! Oh yeah, Beth. Um, Beth is a great song. Forever, yeah. yes, those two charted. Beth and Forever charted really high, and they're both rock ballads that the band didn't really want to do. Beth, or I should say, most of the band. There were there was conflicting right stories well, about Beth that. Beth was but, Peter yeah. Chris's yeah. thing, yeah. and yeah, yeah. And at the time, their best selling song of all time. Yeah, yeah. Rock and, and roll all night didn't catch on till later, and yeah, they well, didn't want to put it on oh, the album. My God, it, uh, or I should say, Gene and Paul didn't want to put it on the album, right? And then it got on the album, and it did so well, and they're like, uh. Uh, "Well, it's always funny." Rock, <clears throat> I'm sorry, ballads always blow you away. Yeah, you know when they when they when they pull out the power ballad, like yep. all of those Journey power ballads, or, uh, um, um. God damn it! The Def Leppard, the 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 Bon Jovi. Uh, oh sure. Uh, are, are, are you talking hair, hair bands, hair what? metals? What? <sighs> what the? No, the the the, the power ballad. The uh, uh, I can't. I'm blanking. I'm vapor locked, and I can't produce the title of the song. It's not living out of prayer. It's, a, it's, it's a, a Bon Jovi song, ballad. and it's a power ballad. Uh, it's the. Um, Fucking cunt! <laughs> oh my god, this is killing. I'm literally, guys. I'm literally visualize. Oh, I visualize the word, and it's like somebody took a hand and smeared the letters. Literally, that's how my brain vapor locks on this. I see the word, but it's like somebody smeared their hand across the ink. Poison every and, rose has its And I can't. It's uh, um, <laughs> you guys are not helping. Um, it's fucking a, it's a steel horse I ride. Um, Wanted dead, want dead or alive? Yes. Not exactly what I consider a power ballad, yeah, I guess. It's uh, not, really? It's not really. I do. That's interesting. I, I guess just because of subject matter. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it has oh, the tonality of a power ballad. Oh, my God. But lyrically. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Lyrically, it is not a power ballad. <laughs> Michael, oh, I'm so we're sorry. Getting, we're getting really deep. See, into all music. I really know is Kiss. <laughs> the monkeys are like, "What fucking show are we listening?" I know. To now? Jake, I think, has already shut us off. 
this this is either us that or, or he's composed a why you're wrong list that's longer than his arm. This is this is us going stir crazy yeah. for two weeks and not talking to each other. Well, <laughs> before we turn back onto the highway from the dirt road, <laughs> I, I do. I do want to uh, throw out the White Lines was the song I was trying to think of before, the Duran Duran covered oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Melly Mel yeah, song. In fact, I have the whole list of thank you, and, and just the list alone should tell you what songs from Duran Duran they should never have done. All right? So, of course, White Lines from Melly Mel. I Want to Take You Higher by Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> that one just... Perfect Day by Lou Reed. Yeah. Uh, Success by David Bowie. That one's actually, uh, I'm sorry, that's yeah. a, not David Bowie, uh, Iggy Pop. David Bowie wrote the song. Yeah. Uh, Iggy Pop performed it. And uh, Ball of Confusion by The Temptations. So, and of course, the uh, as the name of the album suggests, Led Zeppelin's Thank You, which they can't do that one well either. It's, it's, it's a mostly faithful version of the song but it, it it's is also weird in yeah, a way too not, not i can't for, i can't put my finger on what it is it's not made for simon lebon's voice i never I, that's probably what it I is i never really listened to it but it's it funny is too low his register is too low you're absolutely right that's what sorry. as as you rattle off those songs i now remember the criticism of this album yeah because <laughs> uh, there, there was a lot of what what were they? What were what were they doing here? Yeah. And they and and that's that album lost them all the goodwill they built up from the the wedding album, mm-hmm. all of it. Because the what, the album they did after that was Medazzaland, and that had Electric Barbarella as its lead single, and that just completely fizzled, wow. completely fizzled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh my God, let's do a geek show. We, we, we got some geeky <laughs> stuff. For God's Thanks sake. for joining us for m- Music Shock. Yeah, I mean, geeky in its own right, right? Yes. Well, actually, it was, yes, it's not It's not what you love, it's how you love it. That's right. Yep. It, 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 not what you do, it's the way that you do it, and that's what gets results. Yeah, and you know, Jeff and I can't talk sports because there is no sports right yeah, now. Yeah, right? right? And and we had to do this when there's a, th- a threesome because we really shouldn't do this with Andy or Matt around. Andy would be dying because he would be trying to shoehorn some obscure folk something or other, <laughs> and 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 it would just totally die with our pop rock metal references. He's screaming at whatever he's sure. listening to and, this and, on right. somewhere. And Matt will be saying, oh, well, presto, obviously, presto from Rush. That's yeah, going right. to be the one that, that turned my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, really? Ah, Rush. Boy, oh, boy. I, my heart was just broken. Yeah. I mean, me I know too. they're not doing a whole lot. You know, they haven't been doing a whole lot. But still. But, but still, it's just... It, one of the best drummers to ever exist. Absolutely. Absolutely mind. And songwriter. Lyricist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's just... And and just... And one of the most underappreciated bands, I think, too. Sure. Although it, it, appreciation is growing, All but right. still. All right. Back on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about... <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that the highway, but uh, sure. Uh, there's only spaghetti bowl, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm no longer going to talk about things that are canceled, pushback of in this. Yeah, because it's like everything yeah, right now. Just consider everything's pushed back, uh, and if not outright canceled, but uh, everything is on hold. But there is one release, and it, it's kind of a long piece that I put together here, because this is kind of like a a siren going off of like uh oh, big uh oh. Uh, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, is increasingly being referred to as an extinction-level event for certain kinds of businesses oh. and industries, particularly small business that 
sells comics at retail. Oh, 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 this, yeah. In addition to all the other issues and uncertainties facing small retailers everywhere, the comic book direct market, roughly 2,000 shops in North America, hundreds more worldwide, they rely on a single distributor. That's Baltimore-based Diamond Comic Distributors to coordinate weekly shipments of new product from dozens of publishers. Uh, on Monday, March 23rd, Diamond announced it would suspend chip, uh, shipments on new products until further notice in response to the myriad of economic, regulatory, and public health concerns related to COVID-19. In other words, retailers will have no supply of new product and publishers will have very limited channels to bring their periodicals to market. With increasing numbers of retailers subject to closure by government shutdown orders, uncertainties through the supply chain, shipments on the way to stores that couldn't receive them, and concerns about the welfare of the company's own warehouse workers, Diamond realistically had few options. Um, in a statement released on the Diamond website, uh, Steve Geppi, the chairman and CEO of Geppi Family Enterprises, that's the owner and founder of Diamond, distributed uh, describe the situation in well stark terms quote we are hearing from thousands of retailers that they can no longer service their customers as they have in the past many of them have forced to close by government action resort to in-person or curbside delivery wrote Geppi. even those still open are seeing reduced foot traffic in most cases a situation that seems likely to worsen over time our published partners are also faced with numerous issues in their supply chain, working with creators, printers, and increasing uncertainty when it comes to the production and delivery of products for us to distribute. Therefore, my only logical conclusion is to cease the distribution of new weekly product until there is a greater clarity on the progress made toward stemming the spread of this disease, unquote. Uh, Gepi went on to clarify that retailers will still be able to replenish stock of perennial strong sellers like graphic novels and games through Diamond and its affiliate Alliance Game Distributors. The distributor is also exploring ways to reduce the financial strain on direct market stores by, quote, looking at issues like debt accrued during the crisis and reduced ordering means for your discount tiers and availability of credit to help stores through this after this difficult time, unquote. Diamond, by virtue of its solitary position in key part of comic book economy, has always had a supportive relationship with its retail partners, both because the two sides have a mutual interest in the health of the ecosystem and because Geppi himself is deeply and personally involved in the comic business. Uh, reaction across close-knit comic retail industry was generally an understanding, despite the grim outlook that Diamond's move portends. Comic shops have managed to survive market conditions that have killed them off perennially any other business because of the passion of shop owners and unique bond that the store has with their customers. Now, Marvel Comics, the Disney-owned publisher that accounts for 40% of total market share, announced various changes to the terms and discounts. Uh, others, uh, like independent publisher Image Comics, that's roughly 8 to 9% of market share, are offering full returnability of inventory, uh, typically periodical Comics shipped through direct markets are non-returnable, putting risk on the retailers to order correctly, along with other measures to support stores in danger of collapse. The industry-wide fears that COVID-19 epidemic and its aftermath will push the number of comic shops below the critical mass where current distribution system economic economy makes sense. If there are too few stores, there simply aren't enough dollars to support the ecosystem of publishing, printing, warehousing, and distribution 
of physical products. And it's unlikely that large mass retailers could fill the gap. Uh, On a side note, Free Comic Book Day, the annual event meant to draw comic book uh, novices into local shops, is now postponed until late summer. Uh, Diamond Diamond Comic Distributors has orchestrated that holiday, uh, usually held on the first Saturday of May, since the giveaway promotion was first created in 2002. So there is a real fear of not only your local comic book shop not being there when this is all over, but all comic book shops just yeah. because the distribution model has collapsed. Yeah, there is a there's a big explosion on uh, the internet because there were, there were some creators who were like, guys, comics are going to survive, digital, you know, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people were pitching hissy fits because they were just like, hey, this is going to kill retailers, dude. I mean, okay, digital's still around, but print, yeah, print is 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 that's what's at risk. Here. Is is effectively going to die here? So it's it's really, um, yeah, it's going to be a big, big uh, alteration to the market, and this is going to be bigger than the '92 bubble, and it's going to be bigger than. Um, then, well, uh, then, uh, I don't know, Wortham, the World War II paper shortages, this is going to be, this is going to be big. Yeah. Whatever happens. Uh, so I implore you, if you can, if your local store does have curbside availability, uh, support them if you can. I realize right now it's tough for most of us, if not all. So, and that goes for your game stores as well. Uh, we want them to be there when this is all over. So, if there is a solo board game or a game for your family that you'd like to play, you know, contact your local game store and see if they do curbside delivery as well. I know that War Room Games does that while they can, and they've put a great model out there so that literally nothing gets touched except by the two guys that own the store. And they, they'd put it in front of your car, and you have to buy it over the phone with a credit card, so all the financial transaction is done. So you just pull up, call when you're there, they put come out, drop the bag, go back in the store, and no one else is allowed in there but those two guys. So there, there are models out there, and other con- I know comic book stores are doing that as well. So if you're able to, whatever your favorite small business is, is in your neighborhood, uh, whether it's a restaurant or comics or, or music, um, support them if you can. And if you can't, fully understandable. So now that the... Uh, Bad news is over. Let's do some weekend geek. Woohoo! I fully expected that there would be no news. I know, right? And so when we didn't have a show last week, I'm like, well, I'm going to put together news. I put together here and a few things there, and maybe there'll be some next week. There's there's still news happening. Yeah, not all of it great, certainly, but I'm in the show. I'm, I'm trying to make an effort to be positive right the kind of news that we would normally put in this section so i will start with one of the biggest pieces of news that happened in the last two weeks and that's the mandalorian second season will feature rosario dawson as live action ahsoka tano the character has never appeared in live action format a fan favorite of the dave filoni created star wars the clone wars tv show ahsoka was once the padawan of anakin skywalker a member of the Tagruda. A, she eventually quit the Jedi Order and years later defied the Empire in Star Wars Rebels. 
Ahsoka's voice, provided by Ashley Eccleston from Clone Wars, can briefly be heard in the climax of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, where Rey receives encouragement from Jedi's past in her final confrontation with Palpatine. So this is exciting. Yeah. I've, I've only seen, I think, the first two seasons of Clone Wars. And if you haven't given it a chance, I, I will say it does get better as it goes along. Yeah, I need to go back. And there, there are certain episodes that will make you cringe. The first Jar Jar episode being a fine example of this. <laughs> but the show is good. So do give it a chance. In fact, I've been revisiting it here and there in, this, in these down times through Disney+. Plus. It, it's all on Disney now, right? <clears throat> yes. Uh, yes. I don't know if Clone Wars is still on Netflix, though. It used to be. It might still I be. It used to be. I don't think I so don't anymore. don't think it is. I, I do know that all seven seasons are on um, uh, Disney Plus now. I try. I keep trying, and I keep having problems. So I, I keep struggling with getting getting into it. I'm. Uh, I think watching that... Uh, that kind of 3D animation, um, you know, it's it's, it's a little not, jarring at first. It's not well. It's not Pixar level. You're right. So yeah. so Pixar, I can watch all fucking day, right? Sure. DreamWorks, you know. But but this this is this has been a little bit of work for me. And also, I just I fucking love Gendy Tartakovsky's. Oh yeah, I love that so goddamn much that it's really hard for me to. It's literally hard for me to make the adjustment. Huh. Because his animated Clone Wars was fan fucking tastic. Yeah. That was really good. So has anybody, by the way, seen his? Uh, he's got on Adult Swim. He's got a a, a caveman uh, thing on there now. It's kind of. Uh, I uh, haven't seen that. No. Yeah, he's got some kind of sort. I think it's. I don't know if there's sorcery in it, but it's sort of like been described as sword and sorcery caveman or caveman and dinosaurs type of. Of uh, of series and it's it's in that that uh, you know Tarkovsky uh, style, so I, I I haven't been able to see it, so I don't know yet. But I was just curious. Okay. Anyway, but anyway, I still want to try it because there's definitely a lot of lore there that people are constantly referencing. In fact, and so new season on I guess a final season, but a new season on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's been made just for it. Um, or was it going to go to Netflix uh, th- and then it got grabbed back? I, I don't know if it was ever destined for Netflix, but I do know that it was a season that they had planned and then was nixed. And apparently a lot of fans thought it was never going to see the light of day and they ended up going back through and, and completing it. I'm so. sorry, Dawson, in my opinion, can do no wrong. So by all yeah. means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a little, I said the sad news was over. That's not true. Uh, this one hurt particularly hard. Uh, Stuart Gordon, the cult horror director, has died at age 72. The Chicago-born founder of the Chicago Organic Theater Company, along with his wife, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, shocked audiences from his first productions. The filmmaker and theater director adapted the varied likes of H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe, Ray Bradbury, Mark Twain, and David Mamet over his long career, kickstarting a franchise with the gory, schlocky, horror comedy reanimator and creating indie horror classics like From Beyond. His other credits include The Pit and the Pendulum, Castle Freak, Dagon, and Dolls. Uh, Gordon was also a writer, contributing to a number of scripts like the 1993 Body Snatchers and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. 
Gordon was credited as a co-creator of the latter, which led to him to produce Honey, I Blew Up the Kid and direct Honey, Let's Trick or Treat episode of the Disney TV show. His other TV works include the Anthony Perkins starring TV movie Daughter of Darkness and the episodes Dreams in the Witch House and the Black Cat of the Masters of Horror series. Hmm. Uh, I, I implore you out there, of all the movies I mentioned, even to Reanimator and so on, uh, find Dolls. That's yeah. the, uh, the Gordon directed it, uh, and Charlie Band produced it. He's the guy that went on to create Full Moon Pictures and Puppet Master and all those later on. Uh, Dolls is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's got a kid-like energy with a just enough gore, and the basic idea is about protecting childlike innocence. And it's a beautiful film and a schlocky horror film at the same time. And I do highly recommend that if you can find it. So Dolls, I, yeah. do, I do love it so. Uh, also, we lost uh, Albert, uh, Albert Uderzo, one of the cartoonists behind the legendary Asterisk comic strip. He has died. He was 92. Uh, Uderzo... Uderzo, sorry, co-created the Gaul versus Roman series with writer René Guscini as one of their many collaborations in the medium in the first issue of Pilot magazine in 1959. The pair continued to work together until Guscini's death in 1977, after which Uderzo continued telling the tale of the mustached, super-strong underdogs Asterisk and Obelisk as they def uh, defended the people from the Legionnaires. The French comic became so popular that it, like its peers, Tintin and the Smurfs, became a multimedia hit as it is told different silly stories influenced by fantastical take on history. Uh, 14 films, the latest of which was 2018 CG animated asterisk, The S uh, Secret of the Magic Potion, uh, multiple board and video games, and an entire theme park outside of Paris solidify the character's intense impact on pop culture. A current estimate places the total of 370 million asterisk books sold. I got a few. Wow. I picked up a bunch of those when uh, I was living in Kuwait, actually. That was a lot of fun. It was really fun discovering that. It was very uh, very sad to to hear about that. Um, Sienkiewicz, I'm a fan of his page on Facebook, he put up this magnificent, beautiful... Uh, tribute to Asterix. Uh, I don't know if he'd done it in the past or just did it for this, but it, it was, it's done in the Frazetta style. Oh. And it's, it's a, um, uh, it, you, you would recognize it as a, as one of Frazetta's, uh, uh, fantasy warrior images, but it, it, it's a gorgeous painting and it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful little tribute. It's just, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't believe either of these gentlemen were taken by the coronavirus, in case you're wondering. Right. I didn't see anything that uh, alluded to that. Yeah, that in my 92. Yeah. yeah well, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's also, it's a mixed bag because there was a, a, a Broadway luminary who actually oh, yes. just died oh, shoot. because of corona. Yeah, he wrote to love, valor, compassion. Oh, what is his name? Um, it's escaping me right now. Yeah. When I read that, I about lost it. Yeah, that was because I, I, I studied them in college. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just that that because it this this thing is so weird because it has such a big, huge fucking impact, 
but it's like I, I don't I know people who are personally at risk, but I've yet to know anyone personally who has tested positive, much less been hospitalized, much less died. You know? Sure. And it's weird for something so overwhelming, so big and so ubiquitous, and yet there's this strange con- disconnect from my own personal being affected by it. And 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 yeah, I I feel actually a little embarrassed because I'm totally blanking on his name. But hearing about that, you know, that's kind of as, as close as it's come to to me. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. The company behind Netflix docs like The Toys That Made Us and The Movies That Made Us is ramping up a new project focused around the current distribution of old school toys. The Nacelle Company is creating an untitled docuseries about vintage toy stores all over the country for Amazon Prime, Vimeo, and YouTube. The half-hour series will look at the history of the stores as well as their often odd and specific supply of toys. And since most of these stores are, will be highly affected by the pandemic, most of the series' proceeds will be donated to the featured stores. The first season of the show will visit stores in Oregon, Bill, Ga- Bill Galaxy Vintage Toys. Uh, in California, they'll be going to Blast from the Past, INS Collectibles, and Black Cat Comics. In Kansas, they'll go to 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Illinois, they'll go to Toy Du Jour and Smash Toys. And in Indiana, Kokomo Toys. And New Jersey, Farpoint Toys. The series is expected to drop in mid-April with one to two episodes premiering per week. Cool. In an effort to make this period of self-isolation a little more enjoyable, Hasbro released the first 15 entries of the classic animated G.I. Joe series that ran between 1983 and 86. Uh, yeah. We're still not sure if more episodes will be available on Hasbro's YouTube channel or if the first 15 are merely a way to get fans to buy the box set of 95 installments. But G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, was developed by Ron Friedman, a writer of a number of other famous animated projects, like the Marvel shows produced around Iron Man and the Fantastic Four. In addition, he penned the screenplay for 1986's Transformers the Movie. The franchise returns to the big screen this fall with Paramount's live-action Snake Eyes movie from Robert Schwenke. The film is scheduled to hit theaters October 23rd. And uh, speaking of Star Wars news, Robert Rodriguez is among the directors tapped for season two of The Mandalorian. Nice. Created by Jon Favreau, The Mandalorian takes place five years after the Empire's defeat on Return of the Jedi. Dave Filoni, Rick uh, uh, Famuyima, 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 Famuyima. Uh, Deborah Chow, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Taika Waititi directed (laughs) season one. Uh, the Mandalorian second season premieres on Disney Plus this fall. Uh, Rodriguez will debut his next movie, Red Eleven, on streaming service Tubi. Uh, the psychological horror flick was inspired by the director's experience at a medical research facility where he raised the money for his first feature film, El Mariachi. Wow. I just watched some behind-the-scenes production stuff on The Mandalorian the other day. I had no idea how they were doing the virtual sets um, it's it's a big rear projection style studio that they have, but it's a 360 degree setup, and it uses uh, I think it's the Unreal Engine. That makes sense. And it projects these really super high quality CG backgrounds that can be changed on the fly, 
and there's uh, real-time positioning data between the camera and the background. So as the camera moves, if it pans or tilts, the background adjusts with it as it and gives it that whole depth of what an actual wow. three-dimensionally three built set is. If, wow. you, if you find it, uh, ILM actually has their own channel on YouTube that you can look up a lot of this stuff. But oh. it's fascinating where they built partial sets, pieces, and then filmed it against this virtual set. And then all they have to do is some minor adjustments in post. it's it's incredible i mean it's it's a complete breakthrough in television production or even movie production history it's it's fascinating it's something i was just i was just watching with my jaw agape and i i don't usually get dumbfounded by stuff like that very often because i'm like oh that's cool but watching this in real time watching them shoot these scenes and then they also shot it like they showed a commercial that that was shot on this uh, it's kind of a proof of concept for some motorcycle company, and it just—it was just amazing. I mean, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. Huh. So yeah, it was. Really, that really sounds cool. really, really fascinating. It really is. It really is cool. I mean, that w- you, the way you were talking, uh, uh, Todd, it uh, reminded me of when they were uh, working on some of the CG stuff for Lord of the Rings, <clears throat> and they were like talking about how. They had made a lot of the the CG aspects of the uh, say the fight in Moria where they're fighting the the orcs and the troll, and it was this three D environment where Jackson could go in to the environment and and, right. and 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 position his camera and decide where to shoot and stuff like that, yep. which was just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, utterly mind blowing to think about. You know, where you could actually create a whole scene and then decide how you're going to position the camera, the point of view, to shoot it, which just... Yeah, it's it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But hearing this, that whole thing, yeah, I want to... No, not you. He was talking about it. What? Never mind you. But um, I was enjoying the the credit, Dan. (laughs) Wave of the future. Wave of the future. Yeah, I I really want to... Now I really want to... Hit yeah, that, that I look it up. Look it, it is up. on YouTube. Yeah. So it's on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a few different versions. Some are like little quick, like three minute ones, and mm-hmm. then there's like a 15 minute one that okay. goes a little bit more in depth. That's very cool. And if it's not, if, if it's not on the actual ILM channel, it should have links to the. I would just type in Mandalorian BTS, and that'll usually give you what you're looking for. Right. Oh. The history and the cultural impact of Magic the Gathering will be explored in an upcoming documentary entitled Igniting the Spark, the Story of Magic the Gathering. Brian Stillman, who did Plastic Gallery, the uh, Plastic Galaxy, the Story of Star Wars Toys, and Kelly Stagel, of, who did Of Dice and Men, are co-directing the film. The documentary is also produced by the Nacelle Company, and that's, once again, the people that made the toys that made us, K-Girl Productions and X-Ray Films. The strategy and collectible card game was originally created in 1993 by mathematician Richard Garfield. Today, the game, published by D&D owner Wizards of the Coast, has nearly 40 million fans across 70 countries. Last summer, it was confirmed that Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of the Avengers Endgame, will be making an animated series based on the property for Netflix. Oh. Wow. So, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the mood for Magic the Gathering, Doc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and... Um, 
Nacelle, they, they, they obviously know what the fuck they're doing. It, it, it's funny because nostalgia is a big thing, right? You know, make, make, grab this IP and make this movie, nostalgia, nostalgia. But it's like it, 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 nobody's really exploited the behind the scenes right. of nostalgia. What if we tell you about this thing that you love? Yeah. Yep. It, which is it? It's just it's a it's a great idea. I still remember watching that first uh, toys that made us, and I was just like, "That was so cool!" Holy fucking shit! And learning about all this stuff, and I remember reading something about uh, Magic Doc coming, and I was like, "I don't play Magic, but I'll." I, the history of it is definitely fascinating. Absolutely, uh, especially you know. As uh, as wizards, magic is why wizards had the money to totally bail out TESR yeah. and 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 rescue D and D. So, oh, uh, if in case anybody's interested, the ILM channel on YouTube is ILM VFX. So, okay. if you look okay. for it, that's the official ILM YouTube channel. ILM right. v- ILM VFX. 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 Jesus, we must be 140 in. <laughs> <laughs> After Microsoft revealed some technical demos of its next-gen Xbox Series X, Sony has fired back with its own deep dive into its upcoming PlayStation 5. This took place over a live-streamed talk focused on technical areas areas rather than game libraries or other features. PS5's lead system architect, Mike Cerny, led the talk. Cerny explained that a solid-state drive was the number one request from game developers, which made it a core need for the console. Quote, boot the game in a second, no load screens, unquote. The results were a 5.5 gigabyte per second, or almost, or about a hundred times faster than the PS4. Mm. hundred times. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, Cerny also confirmed that those in love with their PS4s will be pleased. The PS5 will be backwards compatible with those games. Of the top 100 PS4 games, Cerny says that almost all will be playable on the PS5 at launch. Like the Xbox Series X, the PS5 will also include ray tracing used to create hyper-realistic depictions of light. Uh, But speak and sound, Cerny described the PS5's 3D sound in detail. Intense, immersive audio was developed by Sony particularly for the console through something called the Tempest Engine. This means that all gamers will get this experience, not just those with fancy sound bars or headphones. In fact, they're creating a sweet spot for those using speakers where gamers can find themselves in, quote, virtual surround sound. Uh, Much of this is still in development, though 3D sound for headphones is ready. Little else was available as this was a developer-focused conference aimed to inspire creators with all the new technical capabilities. Sony said that although the pandemic is certainly affecting the company's business and profits, it does not think there will be any notable impact on the PS5 launch scheduled for the end of 2020. Yeah, both these consoles look incredible. I mean, just as far as raw specs and just what little demos I've seen. I mean, the load, the load time stuff... Insane. Uh, I don't think I've seen a PS5 one yet, but they had a, a side-by-side with an Xbox One X and then the Series X, and they loaded the same game, and they were in the game playing while the Xbox One X was still loading. Uh, it just it boggled my mind watching that side-by-side. I'm just... What's impressed me about the Xbox One X so far is not just that which is expected from both consoles. Sure, yeah. But having that for basic... Right now with the consoles, you can power down your 
game. Yeah. And then when you power it back on, your game is there, ready to play, continue where you left off. Right. Uh, the ability to do that with multiple games yes. is really impressive to me. And and some of them, even if you pop the disc out and put the disc back in. Yeah. I mean, which is something you can't do on the current system. Sure. And then, you know, the current systems, that's if you put it in that power standby. Yes. And then if you completely power it off, you have to start over a lot of the times. With this new generation, even if you can power, completely power off, you're supposedly going to be able to go right back into where you left off in the game without having to do do what we did as kids and save like every five minutes. It's like save game, save game. Oh, Man. I, I got to hit a save point. Damn it. <clears throat> or, or even better, write down the code. Yeah. Every time. The long... 10 characters times four code. Oh, jeez. Thank you, NES, for, um, for paving the way. <laughs> <laughs> Make you earn it. Uh, Terrence McNally. That's it, Terrence was, McNally. Uh, was the, uh, yeah. The Broadway guy? Yes. Ah. Uh, yeah. Playwright. Um, I, I just, yeah. Um, at, at, uh, if I may uh, digress a bit, Jeff, what's the, what's the deal with sound bars? They're they're three point one. It depends. Yeah. What the fuck? There are some that. What are... happened to five point one? And then and then people moved up to seven point one. But now everybody's selling sound bars. I, I think, what is this shit? I think part of it's about it's convenience. Space. It's convenience. Space. It's in space because with five point one or even heavier seven point one, that's how many speakers are around your room. Five or seven. Yeah. The point one is the subwoofer. Yeah. So you're that's a minimum of a six. Three point right. one. You've yeah. Three speakers. Now there are sound bars out there, sound bars, excuse me, that do fire positionally. Yeah. So it you can it can create the five point one space like from a, a sound bar. Yeah. It's more expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that does exist. Okay. Uh, but I was wondering about that. Well, I mean, but for some people, yeah. surround isn't that Im- sound isn't that important. If you can give them a stereo sound, they're happy. My wife is one of those people. Yeah, that just. I mean, <clears throat> it's it's to the point where. It's almost an intentional thing with the TV manufacturers. They're starting to not put a whole lot of resources into developing the built-in speakers on the TV. Yeah. So that you almost have to buy a sound bar. Right. And then space restrictions. You have a lot more people that are in apartments now um, or rented housing. and Or a room. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, and, 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 and and running the, those wires for oh, the surround speakers yeah. That's a big part of can it too. be super hazardous, well, a lot especially of them, if you have children. A lot of them are now wireless. Well, the, the, the wireless surround speakers never quite took off, especially for sound files that were like, the wired sounds so much better than the wireless and blah, 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 well, blah. Well, you know, fine. But, fine. but they still u- got ultimately... Yeah, ultimately, yeah, because yeah. you still had to like <clears throat> plug them in, or some right. of them had batteries sure, sure. that would die. But right. I, I that do honestly true. think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, having children and pets because you have these speakers set up around in areas where oftentimes they're fairly exposed. They can get easily knocked over. They can get sure when Sally's Frenchie gets into a mood and starts running around the house, it's going to take out a speaker. So okay. if you if you can put that sound bar right underneath or right in the you know entertainment ca- cabinet below the TV all those wires are typically going to be hidden behind yeah the television itself and or the entertainment center so if sure. if let's say you have a small dog or a cat that runs underneath or behind said console it's not going to get caught up in that as much as it would if you have speakers behind your sofa 
So I, I, I that's what I think. I, I, I don't have any. Other... I was just curious because I, 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 I'm, I need a new th- sound thing for my TV, and God knows I'm, I'm a ways away from affording something anyway. But I was always looking. Sure. And I, I just noticed that 5.1, and, and I, I'd seen that 7.1 was coming, has sort of, kind of. F- almost faded away and everything's soundbar and i'm looking at it and i'm like all right i see this bar where the fuck is number four and number five i just i think you it's know? convenience because a lot of these soundbars too it's a single connection you plug one thing in the back and you're done yeah, yeah. you don't have to run multiple yeah. sets of wires and a good soundbar sounds surprisingly good yeah I, right. I, I'm considering that for uh, when I upgrade my system for when the new game consoles come mm-hmm. out. Go to one of those that, that fire off in different directions. Right. I was just, well, I was I was curious about, and it, it kind of works anyway. I mean, I don't have a sound bar. I've actually got a 5.1 system where the uh, satellite speakers died. Uh-huh. So I'm now 3.1 on a 5.1 system, but it can still fuck with you. There, there are occasions when, when shit is pinging off behind your head yep. because it's bouncing off the walls correctly, and it you know and there there have been times when like Andy would play um, Fallout, and I'd be here in the living room, and I would hear little ticks and kicks, clicks right here in the living room that came from that game on that system, which is not sophisticated at all. Well, there was so. a there was a TV at CES that had built in. Uh, Dolby Atmos. Oh wow! And that's, it if did you it, didn't know that's like top of the top. Yeah, it did it with essentially. Um, it had a built-in sound bar, so like you had the three speakers in the front. Um, I don't know how the subwoofer setup was, but there were speakers in the rear of the TV that used some kind of a focused sound-based system. So I supposedly it tonally maps your the room that the TV is in Interesting. by using a speaker or a microphone in the TV. So it shoots these focused sound waves yeah. like at the back wall, It'll, ceiling, oh, often, and that, behind you. That so, totally makes sense. So the sound, the surround sounds like it is physically behind you okay. when it's coming from the front, from the rear of the television and bouncing. That's, it was pretty weird. I, yeah. I didn't experience it, but some of the, the um, reviewers that I read, um, their blogs yeah. and some of the videos that I watched about CES said they were pretty impressed with it. Bum, but they bum, also ca- gave it the caveat that this is in a controlled environment at CES. And until yeah. they got them in their review rooms to try them out, they weren't going to... Well, it, it, it's also depending on the room. Yes. Uh, like, like, it's funny because it's amazing how the entertainment room, the TV room, really is such a modern thing that even my home here, which was built in the 90s, mm-hmm. is a shit setup for 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 a, an entertainment center. Well, for, I, for a TV and then room. you you have the same problem I have with my ceiling in my house. You have that oh, popcorn ceiling, which is supposed to yeah, yeah, sound absorption. So you're not going to be able to reflect sound waves yeah, off no. the ceiling very well. God, I hate that. I just it, it was funny. My dad used to refer to it as sound, and I just look at him like that's that. That's just fucking stucco. What are you talking about? And then I've, I've, I've since researched it, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this was actually a thing for. And apparently, it's totally out of, out of style now. Yes. I, I've seen, um, lot fix of- fix them up, uh, TV shows. Yeah. One of the things they talk about is 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 
scraping off the fucking sound absorbing whatever the fuck it's called and you have to be careful if you do it yourself because right a lot of those old popcorn seeds even i didn't even realize this into the 90s even they were still using asbestos for that popcorn yeah. ceiling stuff yeah when, and i'm like i thought i remembered them banning asbestos in the 80s and apparently that was coming back in a big way yeah yeah, yeah. So. thank you uh il douche <laughs> But yeah, yeah, they, I remember reading about that. To to get rid of this, yeah, you have to do a fucking. It you don't just get a a, a, a spatula and, nope. and go to work. You've got some fucking work ahead of you. Save your COVID and in, masks. And in yeah. some states, you actually have to hire a specialist yes. to test it first before you, you strip it out. You would wanna, and you would probably wanna hire. Yeah, especially you would want to hire a contractor, someone who knows what they're doing to do it anyway. You're yeah. not going to want to do this yourself. Yeah, it, oh, the story man. of my life. I never want to do it myself. I know, yeah, well, yeah, there. I know that's not much of a statement for me either, because it's like I'm just, you know, get me somebody who does this for a living, please. <laughs> so what you've been doing to fill the time? Write to us, comments at uglycowshow.com. And of course, you can put it on the Facebook page, the Geek Shock Monkey's Lair. Yeah, we're, uh, we're all on there a lot more now. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, I do yeah. want to throw out uh, one little thing here. I do want to throw out a monkey splatter too. Ooh, monkey uh, splat. Before we end this. Monkey uh, first monkey splat I've been wanting to do for a while, and that is to uh, Jake Godbold, of course, for his uh, monkey enterprise that he put together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was freaking genius. And uh, also a, a personal shout-out. I received a package in the mail today. I, there was a a note that was sent to comments on there from uh, good old David Farrar. Ah. A long time. Dave the long The longest shock monkey out there. Probably, yes. Been there. Really? Our, our original fan, as the we man, like to call him. The man yes. predates me. So he sent a, a, a little letter saying that uh, something's going to get delivered, and it says to help cure your COVID-19 blues, a heaping dose of one more turn-itis. Remember when I was playing Civilization and I had to get rid of it because it was far too addicting? Yes. David Farrar, the beautiful bastard, bought it for me. Um, Uh. So I I now own it. So uh, thank you, uh, David, I think. Uh, uh, this is something you have to load on your PC. And, and uh, no, this that? is the uh, the one for the PlayStation Four. The way I was, uh, I was playing, my PC can't no. handle the new nope. civilization. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I it's awesome sauce. So um, at least I have nothing better to do. <laughs> so so it's not like it's like getting in the way of things. I'm, and and I will say this: I, I my my wife has been glorious through all this because. Um, this is the first time I've I've been out of a job in ages, work hard all my life, and so she's kind of forcing me to treat it as a vacation. Yeah. So she's like, get in there and play video games yeah, right really. now. You're 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 stewing over this. Go play. Yeah. Go play. It's true. And so thank you, David, for helping my wife make me go play. <laughs> and until next week, I'm Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. Commander K. And we'll talk to you next week, hopefully, in Geek. Yes. We'll do yeah, really. The, we'll do these as best we can. Uh, of course, if the governor throws down a shelter-at-home order, uh, we won't be able to. Um, uh, but I, I have been working on a little something that we might not be able to do Geek Shock, but we might be able to get together in other ways. I don't want to say more now in case it just shits the bed. But it's, I'm working on something. Ooh. And I, I think that, that, that'll be a great name for it, too. Shits the Bed. Shits the Bed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Shits the Bed. 
I am at eat at eat uh, eat. Here, here's your helping. Yeah. Right. <laughs>